0: Is Where Have All the Children Gone? I am your host, Allie. Another part of Where Have All the Children Gone will be looking at missing children. I'll be looking at missing or kidnapped and found alive, missing or kidnapped, found murdered, and missing and kidnapped and still lost. When I started this particular podcast, I was strictly looking at the children's story. But then as I researched the perpetrator, I found out in this particular story two other teens who actually murdered as as a teen, and then as an adult. Wanting the story to be as complete as possible, I've broken it up into three parts, and I will run them weekly instead of bi-weekly. I hope you find them as interesting as I did. Warning, this podcast contains mature and graphic material, including material regarding children, and may be offensive to some listeners. The first case I will present will be one that is well known and almost more for what evolved from the case than maybe resolving of the case. A father's search for his son, which grew into a way for other desperate families to help missing and exploited children. On the afternoon of July 27, 1981, six-year-old Adam Walsh and his mother, Revy, went to a store, Sears store in Hollywood, Florida. Adam Walsh was playing at an Atari kiosk where several boys were taking turns playing with an Atari 2600 video game console. Sears had licensed the console and many games from Atari. They had ex- just exclusively released Stellar Track and they were soon to release steeplechase. Adam's mother went shopping nearby to inquire about a lamp which was on sale. While she was gone, a scuffle broke out among the boys as to whose turn it was. The store's security guard asked the older boys as to whose parents were there. When they said none of their parents were there, the security guard made them all leave by the west entrance of the store. Adam being very shy, his parents speculated that he was too shy to speak up to the security guard, which made him leave with the rest of the boys. When the boys dispersed, Adam found himself alone and lost outside the store at an exit he was unfamiliar with. When Revi was told by the security guard he broke up a scuffle and had asked the boys to leave the kiosk, they all searched the store. Unable to find Adam in the toy department, Revy had him paged over the public address system and continued to look for him throughout the store. By coincidence, she ran into his paternal grandmother, Jean, who helped her search for him. After more than 90 minutes of searching and public addressing pages, which failed to locate him, she called the Hollywood police at 1.55 p.m. A helicopter and ground search ensued. Yet, after four days, the estimated two dozen police officers assigned to the case had hit a wall. On August 10th, two fishermen found Adam's severed head floating in a canal off the Florida Turnpike. This discovery would have reverberations that would change the way the United States dealt with crimes against children, for better or for worse. Indian River County and St. Lucie County divers searched the canal on the morning of August 11th. John and Revy appeared on national television saying they had hoped that Adam was alive and offered a $100,000 reward, which is equivalent to a $286,336 reward in 2020 money. Unfortunately, soon after their broadcast. The recovered remains were identified as Adam's. The coroner ruled the cause of Adam's death was asphyxiation. The state of the remains suggested Adam had died several days before the discovery of the head. The rest of his body was never recovered. John and Revy personally believed that the Hollywood Police Department botched the treatment of Adam's disappearance... First, the missing person's investigation, and then also the investigation into his murder. In 1997, the Hollywood Police Chief Rick Stone conducted an exhaustive review of Adam's case after the release of John Walsh's book. At the time, Stone was a 22-year veteran of the Dallas, Texas, force and Wichita, Kansas police departments and he had been appointed Hollywood's chief of police in the previous year. Although the crime happened 16 years before the time of his review, he provided an analysis of the evidence, including a reviewing tape of interrogations of an Otis Tool by Hollywood police de- detective Mark Smith. Stone says his review found evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that Tool murdered Adam. In 2007, allegations earned widespread spread publicity that Jeffrey Dahmer, arrested in Wisconsin in 1991 after killing more than a dozen men and boys, was also named a suspect in Adam's murder. Lionel Dahmer, the father of Jeffrey Dahmer, had called the AMW hotline not too long after his son's arrest. He said that while his son was never convicted for it, he believed his son was a pedophile. He was living in Miami Beach at the time, and two eyewitnesses placed him at the mall on the day Adam was abducted. One claimed to have seen a strange man walking into the toy department. The other said he saw a young blonde man with a protruding chin throw a struggling child into a blue van and speed off. Both witnesses recognized the man they had seen as Dahmer when pictures of him were released in the news. Reports showed that the delivery shop where he worked had a blue van at the time. He had been preying on young men and boys, the youngest being eight years older than Adam. And his modus operandi included severing his victims' heads. When Dahmer was interviewed about Adam in 1992, he repeatedly denied involvement in the crime, even stating, I've told you everything, how I killed them, how I cooked them, how I ate them. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did someone else? After this rumor surfaced, John stated that he had seen no evidence linking Adam's abduction and the murder to Dahmer. After additional investigation, police eventually concluded that Adam was abducted by the drifter named Otis Toole near the front of the exterior of the Sears that afternoon after being instructed to leave by a security guard. According to Toole, he lured him into his white 1971 Cadillac with a damaged right bumper with promises of toys and candy, then proceeded to drive north on Interstate 95 towards his home in Jacksonville. Adam was at first docile and compliant, but began to panic as they drove on. Tool punched him in the face, but as this just made the situation worse, he then walloped him unconscious. While he was unconscious, Toole drove down on this Florida turnpike to a deserted service road just north of Radaba Road overpass in the northwest of St. Louis C. County. When Toole realized that Adam was still breathing, he strangled him to death with a seatbelt and dragged him out of the car in a rural area and decapitated Walsh with a machete. He drove around for several days with Walsh's head in the back of his car having forgotten about it and upon rediscovering it tossed it in a nearby canal. Tool also claimed to have disposed of his body by incinerating it in an old refrigerator when he returned to Jacksonville. He claimed he wanted to make Walsh his adopted son but given the close relationship he had with the loving parents this was just not feasible. At that time determining the source of the blood found in the car was not possible. The police ultimately lost the bloodstained carpet from the car the machete used to decapitate Adam and eventually lost the car itself. Toole, a confident and convicted serial killer, repeatedly confessed and retracted accounts of his involvement. By this time, Toole was already in jail on life sentences and he was never convicted for Walsh's murder. He was a psychopath and a homosexual and his victims were young boys whom he kidnapped and raped over days and later killed. It is a surprise that his crimes came to light after he confessed them to the police when he was detained on an arson charge. On December 16, 2008, Hollywood, Florida Police Chief Chad Wagner, a friend of John Walsh's, announced with John Present that the case was now closed. An external review of the case had been conducted and the police announced they were satisfied that Toole was the murderer. Otis Toole had been the prime suspect all along. Add to that the details he gave regarding the kidnapping and murder was more than enough evidence to have him prosecuted. Some feel, since there was no DNA or blood evidence linking him to the murder, it was Tool's way of getting notoriety. But when he realized the disadvantage such a confession would have say, retribution from fellow inmates, he recanted. Though he was never charred in Adams' case, although he did provide seemingly accurate descriptions as to how he committed the crime, several witnesses also placed him in the Hollywood area that day, leading up to Adams' disappearance. In September of 1996, he died in prison at age 49 of cirrhosis while serving a life sentence for other crimes. Afterwards, Tool's niece told John Walsh that he made a deathbed confession to Adam's murder. His body remained unclaimed, and he was buried in the Florida State Prison Cemetery. What came out of this was pretty more was Adam's legacy. The television film Adam premiered on October 10, 1983. The film was based on Walsh's kidnapping and murder and attracted 38 million viewers on its first airing. Each of its three broadcasts, 1983, 1984, and 1985, were followed by pictures and descriptions of missing children. A hotline was also created to take calls regarding them. The pictures and hotline were ultimately credited with finding a number of missing children. 13 of the 55 children shown in the 1983 broadcasts were located. American rapper Busy Bone, who was abducted by his stepfather as a child, was reunited with his mother after a neighbor recognized a photo of him shown in the end of the 1983 broadcast. Following his death, the Walsh family founded the Adam Walsh Child Resource Center, a nonprofit organization dedicated to legislative reform. The center's originally located in West Palm Beach, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Orange County, California, and Rochester, New York, merged with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NCMEC, where John Walsh serves as a board on the Board of Directors. In 1984, the U.S. Congress passed the Missing Children's Assistance Act, owing in part to the advocacy of the Walshes and other parents of missing children. It allowed the formation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act was signed into law by U.S. President George W. Bush on July 27, 2006, following a two-year journey through the United States Congress. It was extensively lobbied for by Walsh and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Primarily, it focused on National Sex Offender Registry, tough penalties for failing to register as a sex offender following release from prison and a civilian access to state websites that track sex offenders. Critics argue that the system amounts to making offenders wearing a lifelong scarlet letter regardless of the circumstances of their cases. I can sleep at night. How about you? The Adam Walsh Reauthorization Act of 2017 provided budgetary allotments to continue the programs passed in 2006. Amounts appropriate to the Attorney General were in the amounts of $20 million for each of the fiscal years 2018 through 2022, it's available only for the Sex Offender Management Assistance programs. Today Walsh continues to testify before Congress, state legislatures on crime, missing children, and victim's rights. By the late 1990s, many malls, department stores, and supermarkets and other retailers have adopted what is known as a code atom, a movement first started by Walmart stores in the southeastern United States. A code atom is announced when a child is missing in a store or if a child is found by a store employee or customer. If the child is lost or missing, all doors will be locked and the store employee is posted at every Exit. While description of a child is generally broadcasted over the intercom system. Code Adam is a term has become synonymous with the missing child and is a predecessor to the Amber Alert, which serves as a system of broadcast driven community notification. The murder also transferred John Walsh's life, turning him from a middle-class hotel marketing executive into one of the country's best-known advocates for missing children. Walsh launched America's Most Wanted in 1988. By that time, Walsh was already known because of the murder of his son and his subsequent actions to help missing and exploited children. America's Most Wanted was the longest-running crime reality show in Fox's history and contributed to the capture of more than a 1,000 fugitives and 63 missing children in its 25 years. For example, in 2003, John Walsh assisted in solving the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart on an op- episode of America's Most Wanted, where Ed Smart showed the picture of Brian David Mitchell's Manuel appearance. Mitchell's stepson saw the episode and identified him and called the show. This led to the rescue of Elizabeth Smart and the arrest of Brian David Mitchell and Wanda Eileen Barzi. After Elizabeth Smart was reunited with their family, Walsh later met Elizabeth after her family invited him to meet her and mentioned his hand in finding her. In 2005, Walsh also attempted to assist the family of missing teen Natalie Holloway. Walsh was critical of the Reuben crime investigation and along with television personality Dr. Phil McGraw urged Americans to boycott Aruba. Walsh was a special guest on an episode of Extreme Makeover, home edition that aired on August 14, 2005. The episode visited the home of Colleen Nick, who is a parent of Morgan Nick, a six-year-old girl who has been missing since 1995. Walsh has featured the Morgan Nick case on America's Most Wanted several times. So, you have a murder of a little boy, a horrible murder. I mean, I can't imagine hearing that right after I'm pleading for someone to return my son, I find out that this decapitated head they found... And only the head belongs to my son. I can't imagine how John Walsh felt not knowing where the rest of his body was. They only had the head. Never did recover anything, even to this day. Although a lot of... You'll hear a lot more on Tool about things that he's done on a next episode. Um... In his life story, he had a habit of, of of confessing to crimes and then recanting. However, the information that he had for this case wasn't handed to him like some of the ones that was handed to him um, regarding other cases. He was pretty spot on on where he picked up Adam. He was pretty spot on as to what he did with Adam. Had we had DNA at the time, they could have tested the bloody carpet. I can't believe the furiousness that the Walsh family must have had at the police department when they lost that bloody carpet that was found in the back of Tool's car. I can't imagine how angry they were when the machete went lost and they also lost the car. I mean I can't imagine I mean just the thought of that is just incredible to me that anybody would be so negligent in, in losing all these critical pieces of of evidence. However, a lot of they'd always thought that it was Otis Tool that had killed Walsh. It was their working theory. All along, the fact that he gave such exact expl- explanation of how he killed him, where he killed him, where where he threw the head, why he threw the head, why there was a delay—I mean, there, there's a lot there. Unfortunately, Tool never got to uh, be prosecuted for this crime. Because he died. and um, But at least the family knows. That he was not out killing any more children. From the point which they found out. That he was the perpetrator. I believe John Walsh also felt. That Otis was the candidate all along. And. So at least he knew that at least came to an end at that point. I'd like to thank Psychology Today, ramsandcatherinebiography.com, jacksonville.com, rollingstone.com, texashillcounty.com, serial killer global, regarding this case, and the next case you'll hear next week and biography.com I hope you found this fascinating I I had heard of John Walsh I had heard of America's Most Wanted I kind of heard about when his son was uh, killed Um, I certainly knew about his advocacy and the changing of how we addressed children that were missing. It was never really taken as being as important as it is now. There's so many more programs in in place due to this case that help the police um, find the perpetrator faster and sometimes recovering the kids. I thank you and I will see you next week.